Hello, folks. This is episode two of Over Social, and I am Mighty Mike McGee. My very first guest for this podcast is my friend David Perez. I had intended this back in January 2020 when I sat down to record the first version of this episode. That conversation with David is loaded with predictions and plans for the year ahead. That episode and a few test episodes will live in an archive along with most of the episodes from my previous project, the Mike McGee podcast, which I recorded from 2006 to 2009 while I traveled and performed poetry. Those episodes were more straightforward interviews with poets, musicians, and comedians. It was hard to negotiate the fact that audio production was increasingly more difficult on the road and that not very many people were listening to podcasts back then. So to the 19 of you who did listen to that podcast, I thank you. In 2021, I began teaching podcasting to hundreds of young students in Eastside San Jose. The experience has taught me so much about my own approach to podcasting. So when I set out to make this podcast, I decided that it had to be very simple and it had to focus on something in which I am an expert or a subject I want to expand in my knowledge. Friendship and relationships are something I know I could be excellent at. So why shouldn't I become an expert in homies? When I think about my education and friendship, David Perez always comes to mind. I'm lucky to have him in my corner, and I know he feels the same about me. I knew he was the right person to be my first guest for this project. I met David while loitering at Campbell Coffee in the late 90s. He had just graduated high school. We were immediate friends, and he was the first person to identify publicly as a poet. This was astonishing to me, to admit so openly that you not only like poetry, but that you generate your own was so brave to me. But David was proud to pontificate on the beauties and horrors in the world. He showed all of us slackers that we could be thoughtful, mindful layabouts, and he pushed me to generate my own half-decent poetry. Since those Campbell Coffee days, we've both inspired each other to keep up with our creativity and our passions. We've been neighbors for some time now, and we get to catch up with each other almost weekly over coffee at Roy's Station in Japantown or over dinner at Pho Bel Air, our favorite Vietnamese spot near the airport. Our philosophies are so similar, but we have and continue to learn from each other about our approach to life. We both love humor so much and do our best to make each other laugh every time we see each other. We have so many inside jokes that we could hold a conversation and anyone listening would only understand that David and I know each other extremely well. I used to introduce David to others as one of my best friends. There are a handful of people I used to refer to as part of this group of best friends. I think I called them this because I didn't want anyone in that group to feel bummed out for not being the best best. It is all so silly and unimportant. Best is usually a singular definition. To have so many best friends just mean I'm a very lucky dude with a growing family. All of those friends are now family. David is one of the oldest members of my chosen family. I had the luxury of officiating his wedding. It happened on April 4th, 2020. It was an odd day. It's the smallest and one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been to. Also, very strange, because it's also the only wedding where I left having not hugged anyone. It was weird and beautiful. Now back to this podcast. It was imperative for me that it be easily mobile. My friends live all over the world, and I like to travel. 
If I want to have them on my show, I feel I should come to them. I like natural ambiance in my recordings and the sound of the environment we're talking in. You're going to hear all sorts of things in the background, things that just happened as they would have were we not recording. In this recording of my conversation with David, you will hear the hush of Highway 87 in the background and a number of airplanes passing overhead because we're very close to the airport here in San Jose. I think this was the first time David and I sat at a cafe after the pandemic. We sat in the backyard patio of David's favorite cafe, Belbacchio, which sadly did not survive 2021. You may notice that these conversations are not in chronological order. It is my intention to release them in order of vibe. And this episode's vibe is one of two people who love the shit out of each other. I'm so excited to introduce you to David Perez. Uh, all right, I'm sitting here at uh, Cafe Bel Bacchio. Uh, you've said Bel Bacchio. Is it, do you know, what is it Bacchio or Bacchio? I say Bacchio and they do Baccio. not correct me, but okay. they might just be being polite. That, that's true. That's very true. Um, I love the fact that I've been waiting for an airplane to come overhead. And, and as now, soon as I start recording and now, yeah, a small plane, uh, and single and, engine prop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you said single engine because I always think about, um, that sound that we're hearing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is kind of perfect actually, because I was expecting a much larger plane to come overhead. Um, uh, but that sound reminds me of holding my father's hand when I'm three years old, walking across some parking lot to an apartment. Huh. I, it's just one of those things that you just stands out in your memory. You stands out my memory. It. And I think it's because we lived near, at the time, I want to say maybe we lived near um, somewhere around here, near downtown San Jose, near the San Jose International Airport, or... It was near like Reed Hillview Airport, which is the smaller plane airport. What sound takes you back to your childhood? What what sound? What smell? Oh, what simple? <laughs> what simple sensory takes you back? All right, I got it. All right, churros. Really? Yeah, like when I smell churros or kind of anything like cinnamony, sugary like that, but. Mm -hmm churros have yeah. a specific thing uh i think of being you know like eight years old at great america same yeah. <laughs> same same there's something about a sweet pastry treat you know or cotton candy you know uh that takes me back to great america great america 1986 yeah yeah that's what it was all about that's what it was all about yeah you're, you're wet from the log ride Wet from the log ride, yeah, and other things, but we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we won't talk about that. I mean, I mean, to be fair, the older I got, the the only reason I went to Great America was to look at girls. You know, uh, those of you listening, uh, um, Great America I went for the rides. Thank oh, you. Oh, my bad. Um, uh, uh, but no, that's what takes me back. Yeah. Wow, churros. Yeah, I don't think I ate a churro. I knew the smell, but uh, I don't think I ate a churro until like my mid-teens. I think that was my first churro. I ate churros all day. You know what I did have, though? Do you remember um, uh, Taco Bell used to have, like, the, cinnamon the chips? chips? The yeah. churro chips? They weren't. Yeah. They didn't call it that. But no, that's, but that's what they that's were. That's what they were. Yeah, yeah. it was essentially, yeah. like, deep-fried tortillas with cinnamon and, and sugar. 
They were all right. Your viewers can't see or your listeners can't see me grimacing, but I'm grimacing. Oh, yeah. You are a, I'm like, one giant grimace. Just give me yeah. a churro. Yeah. McDonald's is about to sue Purist. you. Because your grimace is so... <laughs> you're clearly infringing on their trademark. Um, I hamburger their, their grimace. <laughs> uh, I'll just cut that out. No way. No, that's the end. <laughs> that's going to be the funniest thing I say. Uh, Sorry. I am... Uh, so as, you know, as the intro explained, I'm sitting here with uh, my dear friend David Perez. And when I say dear friend, I, 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 I say that probably too often about a lot of different people um and and i and i think it's because i really enjoy sort of gushing about people people that i really get along with um but i really mean that with you you know i really it really is it, it is true and what i what i I rest comfortably in the notion that it is mutual, <laughs> you know, like, like that's, that's kind of the neat thing about our friendship is that I know how you feel, you know how I feel, it's all good, you know, like, there's no, there's, there's no, uh, uh, there's no question about our friendship. It's know? totally mutual. Totally mutual. Uh, pretty much. For the, <laughs> for, most the part, for the most part, I guess. Give or take, you know. But, uh, but when you're talking totally. about when you're talking about 24, 25 years of friendship that has been pretty consistent that whole time. Yeah. You know, like that's that's that it's remarkable. It really is remarkable because you just don't hang on to people that long anymore. You know, like, no, especially once you once you kind of uh, enter into adulthood. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. proximity has a lot to do with our friendship, though, too, is that we have lived near each other for a good chunk of our lives, you know, yeah. like we happen to move into the same neighborhoods. And, uh, I think that helps a lot. I think you, I, I knew we would still be friends even if you lived in like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you uh-huh. know, we would still be friends, but it would be a very different it would kind be of different. friendship. It might be more of like the Facebook friends at a distance, like, yeah. you know, thing. Uh, do you remember your first friend? I do. Tell me about His name me. was Kevin Freitas. Huh. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we went to Los Gatos Christian Elementary School uh, together. I think I met him in like first grade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, th- I had friends before that. So I guess maybe I don't remember my absolute very first friends. Sure. But uh, Kevin stands out in my mind. I guess that would be the right question then is uh, what's the f- who's the first friend you remember? Yeah. You know, clearly. This kid from first grade. Yeah. Yeah. What was it about him? What what stands out about him? Uh, he wasn't repulsed by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a that's a big qualifier. How do you know? I mean, how do you know? It's like, why are you friends with? I can talk about why I'm friends with people in my adult life. I have like reasons. Yeah. But it's like, why? Why are you friends with someone in 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 first grade? Yeah. Yeah. It's. It just. Who the hell knows? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, the, o- the, the only friend I remember by name from, say, first grade was our, our Gary Silvera, who lived across the street from us. And uh, he was seven when I was five. So he was so cool. So much older. So much older. Like, he was an adult in my mind. Yeah. He knew how to do things. To the point where his impact on, on me... He, I'd be shocked if he even remembers me or my brother. Uh, but I haven't seen him since I ran into him at uh, 
at West Valley Community College in the 90s, and I hadn't seen him in well over 10 years, uh, which when you're 17, 18, 19 is a very long time. It's half your life. And uh, up until I was probably like an early adult, I, if I slept in my pants, I would I always slept in them unbuttoned because at night because he told me when I was five that he sleeps in his jeans because and I think it's probably because and I'm 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 extrapolating here, but I think it's because his family didn't have heat in their house. Huh. So he slept in his jeans to just to stay warmer, you know. And uh, he was from an old Portuguese family. And when I say old Portuguese family, I mean like his dad, when he was seven, his dad was in his 60s. He was the last and I think the most unexpected child of like five or six. Surprise. Yeah, a big surprise. <laughs> and so um, his dad was the first person I knew who died when I was like six. His, oh. his father had passed away. And I remember everybody, I remember the, his whole family coming home dressed in black. But going back to the, the jeans, he would sleep in his jeans. And he and you I got to get this unbuttoned thing. And I and I go, I go, he goes, yeah, I go, you sleep in your pants. He goes, yeah, but you got to keep them unbuttoned or you'll die. And so I was like, OK, that's true. So then when I you cut off the blood flow, cut off all the blood flow to mm-hmm. w- w- wherever to well, to the to the brain, to the brain, to the heart, to the heart. Oh, you no. lose your heart. You lose you your become heart. very callous and then you die. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. Literally, anytime I went to bed, if I fell asleep in my pants, there would be a moment, yeah, where I would, I would, oh god, yeah, I would just have like a little mini panic, and I would have to unbutton my pants very quickly and try to go back to sleep. (laughs) You basically describe every night for me. Oh, buddy, yeah, yeah, that is unfortunate, David, for you. Um, so do you remember how we met? We met at Campbell Coffee Roasting Company. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In Campbell, California, where I, I think we met through, um, our friend, our mutual friend, uh, Gia Trenchard. Correct. And at that, they just like knew that we would get along. I think. I think so. And we were just kind of all hanging out in the same yeah. area anyway. Yeah. And we just kind of like merged yeah you know like uh, friend groups yeah and we just started hanging out and we just we had all the time in the world in 1996 yeah to 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 can i swear yeah to bullshit (laughs) yeah you know to bullshit at a cafe yeah um and and we just talked and talked and talked and talked and farted around and made jokes and yeah you know talked about poetry and yeah and uh voila when did you get into poetry at what point did you get into poetry would you say that you you realized it was a thing that you needed it was high school yeah it was high school i started I, i i just started writing i just got notebooks and i just started writing i god i don't even remember what the impetus was except Except kind of vaguely just like unrequited love, right? Mm-hmm. Just like being into this girl, being into the into that girl and Needing you know to express and it. like and like 
she's not into me or at least I have the perception that she's not into me or I don't even know how to begin that conversation. Yeah. Um, and so it was like a conversation that needed to be had Yeah. that, that I wasn't, you know, I lacked the, I lacked the sort of uh, social aptitude yeah. to, to, to start it in the real world. Yeah. So it just kind of made it onto the page. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's and that's how it started. So it's like in a way it was like I'm sure those poems aren't any good, right? But it's just uh I started writing from a place of this deep desire. Mm -hmm. You know, this very sort of um primal visceral thing that needed expression, but then I expressed it in a very like abstract way. Mm -hmm. Uh and so it's like it had all that fuel, all that all that energy mm -hmm. that wasn't going to, you know, actually pursuing someone kind of became the fuel in the engine for wanting to write all the time. Yeah. Because getting the words right and helped, helped like quiet the anxiety, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, that's how it started. And so it started as this, as this, with this realization that, that, oh, if I just explain how I'm feeling mm -hmm. as, as, as well as I can, mm -hmm. then I feel better. Yeah. And it is as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. And how has that evolved? What has that evolved? What has that evolved to today? As, I think, as well, a poet? yeah, I think today it's less about just self-expression. Mm -hmm. It's less about me and what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is, partially that's there like what i want to say is there mm -hmm. um but it's less about knowing what i want to say beforehand mm -hmm. uh because if all i feel like if all i do is just like have an agenda oh i want to say this i want to say that i want to say this i want to say that um then it comes out stilted sure it comes out dead yeah the the real magic happens when you're writing and you write something that surprises you mm -hmm. and then you're like you're like oh i didn't expect that thread to pop to pop out mm -hmm. to be there yeah and then you pull on that yeah and then it takes you somewhere that that you had no idea where you would go mm -hmm. i'll give you an example like um i i was writing a poem about my father mm -hmm. and my father and i have had our ups and downs um, and I thought that this was going to be in my head. I was like, oh, this is the kind of poem I'm going to write. And this is how I'm going to write it. And it's going to be about my dad. And it's going to be about whatever problem we're, we, we we're having. And, and I, I start writing. And one thing about like what I do is I, is I'm very visual. Like I can't just write in the, um, about concepts mm -hmm. i feel this way about you you did this i feel that way about you it's it, it's always like where where are we mm -hmm. what space are we in are we in we're in the apartment um the apartment's kind of in the woods he was painting a lot at the time and so i couldn't help but describe his painting studio mm -hmm. and and when i did that the poem took on a whole new life beyond mm -hmm. what i what I thought I wanted mm -hmm. and it became about something totally different. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, w one, th one thing I love about poetry that I've always loved about it is that if you do it right, 
it's not about you saying something that teaches other people. There is an inner wisdom in you that is locked away and hidden and concealed that you don't fully understand that when it does come out to play, it teaches you something. Oh, yeah. It makes you better. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's where the magic is. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, you know, I often wonder where I would be if I hadn't met you because I. In I, a gutter somewhere. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Very likely. Yeah. Uh, wallowing, you know, probably crying on a regular basis. No, but I, I really, I think about, I think about the fact that like you really introduced me to what was possible with poetry. Like, like, like don't think about what has been written in the past. Think about what hasn't been written yet. Now, you might not have said that directly, but you definitely, you introduced that idea to me. Hmm. You know, it's like no one can write what you're going to write. You know, no one else can write what you're going to write. They can, they can try, but if they're trying to write from your voice, they're going to get it wrong. Yeah. Only you can get, only you can get your voice right. Uh, but it's going to take some time, you know. And I think, I think where you really helped me was that you, you were, you're a big fan of practice. You're a big fan of editing. You're a big fan of, of crafting it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's not going to come out exactly right the first time. You yeah. know, some it, you might get lucky, and it might. Yeah, you might look at it, it and could. go, "Oh, I don't. I'm not going to touch that anymore. I'm done with that." You know, uh, so I really appreciate that about you. Where did that come from for you? Where did you learn practice? I think it starts with reading, with loving reading, mm -hmm. um, and getting to the realization that that you got to write like you're a reader. Mm -hmm. I do this thing where I sometimes I try to imagine like what I sit down you're confronting the blank page and instead of instead of asking I mean the death uh, the, the, the question that you will that you might want to ask that will just kill you is what do I want to say mm -hmm. a better question is what do I want to read mm. yeah what do I want to read? If I were to sit down and open a book, what would I want it to say? Mm -hmm. uh, and somehow there's a way in which you can pretend like you're reading mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and pretend <laughs> it's weird, but you pretend like you're having one of those moments where you're reading an author who is saying the shit that you have always thought, mm -hmm. but that you just never articulated. Yeah. Right. And we and it, you, if you read long enough and if you read the right books for you, mm -hmm. you'll get to that point where you'll read some author and they will they will e freaking explain something you have been thinking all your life. Right. But you just never had the words for. And so it's not like they're teaching you something new. Mm -hmm. They're teaching you something old, but saying it in a new way. Right. And that. That's the most powerful experience. And mm -hmm. so I guess that's the other thing that's changed or that um, that I've grown sort of into the, over the years as I've been writing is not just trying to express myself, but thinking about, yeah, what do I want to read? But then I think the side effect, the mm -hmm. beautiful side effect when you do that is that you are becoming more readable yeah. to others. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about what what do I need to express? But 
what do others need to hear? Yeah. What will entice others to want to hear what you have to say? Mm -hmm. Not just about self-expression, but about like just communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you remember the funniest person from your childhood? From my childhood? Yeah. Was is 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 and then and then sort of part B to that question is uh, was was humor integral to your your family, your youth? Did were, were do you come from a laughing family? Yes, definitely. Yeah, probably the funniest person from. I, and I gotta say, first off, you know, um, without kissing your ass too much, when I think about funny people in my life. It's hard for you not to eclipse like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you asked childhood and you yeah, weren't around yeah. in my childhood. My uncle Gary. Yeah. My uncle Gary is just a funny, funny man. And he would make, he, and he still makes the whole family laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, even at funerals, even mm -hmm. like even in dark times, uh, my uncle Gary just has a way of just bringing the levity. Just making everyone crack up. Yeah. And he just, he he just makes fun of shit. Yeah. <laughs> he just makes fun of people, you know. Yeah. Um uh and it's just yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think growing up like I don't know how we would have survived if it hadn't been for humor, you know. Uh I learned very early on from my mom like you're going to need to make people laugh with you and not at you, you know. Uh like you can't come home crying every day because somebody teased you. you I remember know? you talking about this. Yeah. And that changed my whole, like that was a, that was a paradigm shift for me. You know, it was like, Oh, I'm allowed to bring the light into the darkness. You know, I'm allowed to go ahead and like be silly whenever I want. And then, and then, and then it just became like, you know, okay. Uh, a lesson in, timing you know mm -hmm. like okay maybe not at church michael <laughs> you know okay maybe not in this moment where you know we're we're standing over this dead cat in the street you know um <clears throat> although i'd probably find something funny to say about that um there is I a way in which you can bring the right kind and amount of levity to almost any situation yes absolutely Absolutely. Uh, I, I, and I'm actually, I'm actually struggling to come up with the wrong time right now. <laughs> you know, like I can think of, I can think of a couple, but they are very specific instances that yeah. I might never come across. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, the time is always wrong for the wrong joke, <laughs> but there's Absolutely. almost always a right joke. Almost. Almost always. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've noticed that I don't I don't get belly aching laughs as often as I used to. And I wonder if it's that is that we, we get desensitized to humor over time. Um, can you remember the last time you had like just a good hearty like, oh, my God, my stomach is killing me. Yeah. Last night. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it was something that Jen did. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife, Jen, uh, she. She works for a company mm -hmm. uh, where she has to, uh, she's a, she's a video editor, motion graphics designer, and she works for a company where she, she has to like create like 
thumbnail images for um, for like TV screens and stuff, and and um, that, and so she will sometimes have to make up like fake TV shows and fake movies, <laughs> yeah. and she's she also happens to be a film filmmaker herself, so so she's like. She just has a lot of fun with it. And what's cool is that sometimes they ask her to do like genres like horror or cop movies or action movies. And she showed me this one fake movie title screen that she created um, called Prom Cop. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a picture of like a girl in a prom dress with a with a gun like a big gun like a hand cannon yeah <laughs> and she's like backed up against a car and she's like in a shootout yeah and she's the prom cop that's <laughs> so it's like 21 jump street but like a million times better <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, so i was like last night i was like i was like what if we wrote the script to prom cop <laughs> yeah and and we talked about it and we yeah. laughed i bet you did i bet you did it reminds me of uh, there's a there's a designer uh, who I think might also identify as female uh, who does all sorts of like fake, fake, simple media where it's like it'll be like an ad, like a, a supermarket ad that you get in the mail. Right. Or it'll be um, it'll be a, um, a, a, a fake screenshot of a Netflix menu. Right. For a show that doesn't mm-hmm. exist with mm-hmm. like the photo and the description, you know, and it looks legit. Uh-huh. It looks like somebody took a screenshot of a Netflix menu and it is it's always hilarious. And it's it's very much like in the same vein as prom cop, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> uh, it just has a ring to it. Where it's it like really you does. want it to be a real movie. <laughs> you want it to be a real movie. You don't want it to be too good. Yeah. It needs to. It's like. You know, what's that one movie that is insane? It is, it is just, it is just wild. Uh, um, it's like Tiger Ninja, like a cop movie or something. Yeah, it's like, but it's like an 80s movie that's made within the last few years. Tiger Ninja, something like that. I, gosh, I I see a double feature coming, Ninja Cop or something. Fuck yeah, Triceracop, but it's, it's, (laughs) it's absolutely absurd. Oh. Wait, that there's that movie, that Ninja Cop movie that, that was made um, fairly recently yeah. to look like it was made in the 80s. Yes. And it was like, oh, I'm just going to drive me crazy now. I know. And Triceracop is one yeah, of yeah. the characters. Yeah. Um, That's the one I'm talking about. And it's like... And Hacker Man is in it. It's absolutely absurd. And I it's I know what wonderful. you're talking about, but... And it's uh, great. Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Kung Fury. That movie's so good. Uh, I, I think like, you know, I think, I think for me, when it comes to friends and it comes to relationships, I value a sense of humor more than just about anything. You know, I mean, everything (laughs) else, I, I feel like if the sense of humor is right, then everything else will, will come into place. You know what I mean? And, and. It's really hard for me. It's hard for me to date oh, date someone who <laughs> is humorless. Is humorless, you know. Have like, you ever dated someone who is yeah uh, humor? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Like like a, a a low key sense of humor. You know, I've definitely dated people whose sense of humor just was not um, 
just didn't jibe with mine. Uh-huh. You know, I was too absurd or, uh, you know, they were too dry. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I can be dry for sure, but I'd rather be wet. <laughs> you can also be wet. Yeah, I can. I know this. Yeah, I'm a sweaty <clears throat> guy. Um, but do you do you find that you and your wife laugh a lot? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. And and is it almost always pretty silly? We're both very, like, absurd. Yeah. We're both, like, weird and strange and kind of random. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, so it works. We very much have a similar sense of humor. How, how did you and Jen meet? Uh, we met through the poetry community. Um long long time ago performance poetry we knew each other for like eight nine years and we're in the same circles and Mm -hmm. you know uh before we before we were together uh and um i think i met her through a workshop that i did at um university of santa cruz Mm -hmm. yeah in fact i remember i was this is gonna i'm gonna get into trouble I was not her teacher. I was not like giving her a grade. It was like a, it was like an extracurricular sure. thing where I was hired to mm-hmm. to uh, to teach this workshop. And mm-hmm. we didn't. Everyone, calm down. We did not hook up at the workshop. <laughs> it's like whenever I tell the story, it's like, oh, you got with your you were you got with a student. Da, da, da. No, and I'm like that's just how we met. That's just sure. where we first crossed sure. paths as peers. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, I was not that much. I'm I am uh, eight years older than my wife, uh, and so I you know, and so I was right at that age where it's like I was out of college, and then but then teaching stuff at college. Um, and she attended this extracurricular workshop, and I remember I was uh, showing uh, some sample poems because yeah. it was a poetry workshop, and I was showing video of sample poems, and one of them was was a Saul Williams poem. <laughs> I just remember she was like sitting in the back, and and she just had this look on her face like this poem is bullshit. <laughs> she was not down. I don't even remember which poem it was, but she just for whatever reason she wasn't down with it, and. And and Jen has always had this way of like being really honest and upfront when something isn't working for her. When mm-hmm. you know she's not if, and that's quite an asset, I would say, mm-hmm. um, because you always know where you stand with her. Mm-hmm. There's never any subterfuge. If you show her something that you wrote, and she likes it, it's true. It's true. If she says she likes something, it is fucking a true. She might be one of the most honest people I've ever met. Yeah. Like, but uh, one of the truest people I've ever met where like it's she's she's a bit of a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't hide her feelings. Yeah. 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 Which sometimes like it can be inconvenient, Mm. you know, because but I but I realize that the reason it's inconvenient is because most people do. Yeah. Most people myself included hide their feelings a lot in their daily life and you don't realize how much you do it yeah there have definitely there have definitely been moments where I've I've mentioned something to Jen and in most cases I think most people would just sort of not comment on it you know whereas 
Jen will be very upfront and say, you know what? No, that's uh, that's not cool because blah, 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 blah. You know, and and I can always picture it, too, because like I'm often sitting in the backseat of one of your vehicles and she'll be in the front seat and she'll just like turn full bodied to me and be (laughs) like, well, you know, this is what I think, you know, and it's always it's always a valuable response. Do you know what happens a lot in the in just adult life is that I think people very often feign interest. Mm. Oh, what are you, are you starting a podcast? Oh, that's oh, great. Tell me all about that's it. That's so interesting. Tell oh. me everything. But it's like, if you're being truthful, your real reaction is probably something more like, okay. Mm. All right, cool. Okay. Yeah. When you have something into interest, I'm not, I don't not care at all, mm-hmm. but when there's something truly interesting to say about it, then mm-hmm. then say it and I'll, maybe I'll be interested. Yeah. You know, That's, and she just doesn't feign that interest. Right. Uh, I have a really hard time feigning interest whenever anybody wants to talk about their favorite sports team. I'm just like, uh-huh, tell me more about your millionaires. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't be bothered, you know. Yeah, I, I just can't be bothered to to you know that like wait. So oh, you love you love that team? Yeah. Why do you love that team? Oh, because they're within forty minutes drive of here. <laughs> like you happen to like them because they're local. Like how many of the players were born and raised here? Right. Oh, none of them. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. It's cool. a funny thing. Like with me, I I do like sports. Like I like watching I like sports. Watching, I think it's cool. Um, I like watching the talent a game. of a team. Yeah. I like watching a, of a player, you know, like, wow, they are, wow, look at them throw that ball. Look at them do that thing, you know, look at them get that tiny little puck wearing 70 pounds of gear into that net, you know. You get that you know, net. Yeah, you get that you net. Get you get that know? net, Or when boy. the goalie catches the puck, it's like, yeah, you get that puck. Yeah. <laughs> puck you. Yeah, go puck yourself. I mainly just have a thing against pucks. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. they can go, go puck sharks. themselves. Go <laughs> sharks. Um, but, you know, but even I feel it. Even I feel like when I see, okay, if I'm outside of San Jose, California, um, and I see somebody wearing a Sharks logo, a San Jose Sharks NHL hockey logo, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of proud. <laughs> I'm kind of like, wow, you like my team. And it's like, it's not even my team. You know, like, I want them to do well because it means that less cars will probably burn on the street. You're proud of your city. Yes. You're not proud of the team. You're proud of where you're from. But I think it's a false representation, though, isn't it? You know, Well, like, whatever, whether the connection to the team is false or not, but you have pride in your city. Would you say that you have pride very in your city? Very much so, yes. What, what, more why, than, more why than is that? Why is that? Above average. Why is that more than just, like, tribalism? Why is what I feel more than tribalism? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's, uh, um, I know, I know a larger percentage of the people on a deeper than surface level in this region. You know, because I also, as much as I love San Jose, I actually really, truly love the whole Bay Area. Mm-hmm parts of it in various varying degrees but yeah you know it's 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 this region i love the land i love the weather i love the uh animal life the wildlife i love the people you know it's it's not just it's not just zip code it's not just area code it's 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 everything that comes with it hmm. you know um and i 
yeah, it's it's it is a. I can explain the pride, um, but it's hard to explain. It is it is a difficult thing to have to. Most expound of, on most you know? of the time. It's easy. I think the the way a lot of people express it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's. I'm just gonna call it basic. It's basic. <laughs> a lot yeah. of times, you know, pride in 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 things like that is super basic. Uh, they're my team because because they're from my city, mm-hmm. and I like them because they're my team. Yeah, and it's just a way because we don't we don't we don't go to war with other with other i mean we go to war but right. i mean we don't we don't go and attack that that group of people over there that, that tribe over, over the yeah. hill anymore yeah. and and but we have this sort of primal aspect to our nature where we we want to um gather into groups and be part of the in group and and that's kind of seems to necessitate there being an out group Hmm. and sports is a relatively harmless way that we have of expressing that well and i think Um, i think but it is like wouldn't it i don't know it's just one of those things where i'm like how badly do we need that uh, and and i mean uh, like some people it, 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 it i mean it really does seem like just a part of the human condition but then at the same time not everyone has that that impulse no, but you know, I think like we're, as to to the to the same degree. The, uh, the U.S. is an amalgamation of the world, right? The U.S. is like let's take every possible, let's take let's take let's take people from every other country, let's put them into this mixing bowl. Because uh, we're not quite a melting pot; we're more of a mixing bowl hmm. where everything gets a little bit of the same flavor. You know, we're all we all got balsamic vinaigrette all over us. But I'm I'm a tomato. You're a piece of lettuce. You know, like we don't become. We're more of a salad bowl than anything else. And that, I, that is not even my analogy. I've I got that from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The vinaigrette part is mine. I will take that. I will claim that one. Um, and I, I. But I think that because we end up getting covered with all the same dressing, uh, that we we all um, um, being American is it's just its own. It's its own thing. It's its own sort of national identity, right? Uh, and for whatever reason, competition, you know, we for so long we've been bred to believe that being number one is the most important thing in the world, right? Uh, for the last 120 years or so, right? Longer. Um, we are number one. We are number one. Once we became a, a world superpower, mm-hmm. being the being the superest of powers mm-hmm. was... was uh, was paramount. Um, I think that you stumbled on something when you, you talked about like us not going to battle with this village next door, um, and that sports, professional sports, and the multi-million-dollar, nearly billion-dollar players uh, uh, nowadays. Uh, there's there seems to be. Uh, I don't know if there's a correlation, but. We go to war less often, and our teams are far more bigger and more powerful and more prevalent. Our sports teams, <laughs> you know, like when do we like? Yes, there's always some sort of military action happening, but it's nowhere near the level for the last fifty years since Vietnam. We haven't been as 
It hasn't been as prevalent. Well, and we, we, I think I, I understand what you're saying. I think we have to be careful. I think that we still there's still a lot of American military activity going yes. on. But I think yes. what we mean when we say it's less seemingly less prevalent is that it's less sort of couched as we are going to war we are right. doing this and it becomes just drone strikes that yeah. that are very real and yeah. that happen very regularly yeah. um and that if we knew more about them we We'd might up not like them very much no pun intended um but but it's but it's not it's not sort of presented as as going to war even right. though the people on the receiving end of that are at are receiving they're, war. They're at war. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. but yeah. But I understand what you're saying. It's like, from our perspective, it's not, we don't have this, this sort of, you know, with this flag planted, yeah. right? Where we, we're, we're, we're at war. And so maybe we, 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 we try to satisfy this impulse mm-hmm. um, to compete in, in other ways. And like, maybe that's, if it did result in us being less warlike, and I'm not saying that it does, I don't know, but I, I, but yeah. it, but if it did, that would, I'll take sports. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take sports. Yeah, over. I mean, my thing is, I so I love cars, right? Yeah. Um, and and I love learning about cars and race cars and whatnot and motorsport, and I think it was the CEO of of Mercedes said something like. It was a it was a very German thing to say, and he was like, um, "We race because we cannot go to war." <laughs> Yikes! And so all that all that technology that would have gone yeah. into missiles and bombs and sure. it goes into you know creating the perfect V twelve engine. It, or whatever. it goes into creating more other other forms of competition. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, is it a myth that that in some way curbs? are violent tendencies maybe i, maybe. I yeah i don't know it's, it's, I, yeah, yeah it's a, that's a it's it's interesting because if you'd asked me what i thought about sports five minutes ago before or before this conversation i would have been like it's stupid but now couched in the idea that maybe professional sports is um a less uh, a a significantly less violent means of competition uh and that maybe we don't go to war as often because we at sports or maybe because we don't go to you know mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know which what begat what begets what but then i'm like hey if sports means less war i'm all for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah i mean i just think w- regardless of whether or not it means that or to what extent it, it there definitely seems to be this the this kind of sublimation that happens yeah. uh, not just with violent tendencies but like sexual tendencies and desire mm-hmm. and and you know so there are so many aspects to being a human being that we just can't express anymore yeah that that society has grown for better for worse uh it's grown and become into a place and become a thing where weirdly not every aspect of what it means to be human is something that you can freely express and in some cases that's a good thing (laughs) because there are things about us that are nasty 
Very. We're all a bunch of little rascals, you know? Like, um, it's probably good that we're in check, you know, that we keep each other in check to some extent. But at the same time, at the same time, there's also, like, a repression, mm-hmm. like, that happens. And, and I don't think that just repressing, like, certainly, like some drives need to be suppressed yeah but if all that's ever done is just suppress it tamp it down push it way down inside Mm -hmm. it doesn't go anywhere it's true it doesn't not exist yeah so what do we actually do to be to be human and still be social yeah yeah you know I'm going to go ahead and take a break right there. We'll be right back. David and I are very lucky. We have so many options of places to eat here in San Jose. Living downtown that puts us central to all the different spots that we enjoy eating. We're right smack dab between the west side and the east side. Uh, south and north we're right in the center of san jose and there's just so much to choose from when it comes to food Uh, vietnamese food mexican food ethiopian food Uh, we have just some of the absolute best uh, out of all of those Uh, a lot of noodle places uh, a lot of uh, really just delightful places to eat and uh, although we are lacking in our late night dining options i will say that uh, we are not lacking in just fantastic delicious food Uh, where we recorded this episode was in the heart of uh, little italy just outside of downtown san jose uh, and just there alone, there are a ton of places to choose from to eat that are that are absolutely delicious. Um, again, you got to try our Ethiopian food, our Vietnamese food. You you will not be short on pho in San Jose, nor will you be short on tacos and birria and delicious Mexican food, uh, Italian food. You name it. We have just about everything you could imagine here in San Jose. This place is huge. You have a reason to come here. There's over a million people in San Jose alone, two and a half million people throughout this valley. Chances are you are related to one of us. So come visit. We miss you. Come on through. We'll feed you. We'll take you to a good spot to eat. You won't regret it. Come visit us. Be here now. Join us. Let's get some food. All right. So I think one of the things about doing a, having a conversation with you, recording a conversation with you is that there's really no, there's no real way to sit down and go, we're going to talk about these exact specific things because you and I can go off on so many tangents that we're going to enjoy. Yeah. You know, um, if you want to talk about something specific, we could do that. Yeah, I, of course, obviously we can. I want to talk about what friendship means to you. Okay. Uh, um, and, and, you know, and we'll talk again, you know, we'll, there'll be future episodes, uh, with you in it. Um, uh, because that's the whole point of this. Um, and I should, I should also note too, that, um, you and I once, uh, once produced a show in downtown San Jose called the over social mofo review. Yes. Um, over social week. I, and we, I, I'll never forget that moment. I, I it's such a fond memory of you and I sitting at Barefoot Coffee Roasters 
uh, on Stevens Creek Boulevard in Santa Clara. Uh-huh. Uh, they had couches and chairs that were just always outside in this strip mall, right? A strip plaza shopping center uh, between Freedom Burrito and uh, some bagel shop. And they had been closed for a couple of hours. And everyone had finally left except for you, Tristissima, and myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were sitting on that couch. Common occurrence. We were sitting on that couch trying to figure out the name of our new show. And we were batting around a lot of names. A lot of names. And finally, we were very happy with the over-social mofo review. It, and, and it came, but it came in pieces. In pieces. We got to the word. I think we said something like we want the word social in it or we wanted yeah. to convey being social overly social overtly social mm-hmm. and and then over social came out yeah which is and a then, word that <laughs> yeah, that was we made up that was our word definitely it did not exist anywhere else and i i had googled it at the time and it didn't exist and right, to this day to this day i think if you Google the word over social as one continuous word, um, our old show comes up. Probably. Uh, and eventually over time, I would like this podcast to take that over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good strategy. Uh, I yeah. like it. Um, and so that's where the name came from. So like you get at least some credit for that because you were you were part of that brainstorming session. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of reclaiming the word uh, for this because... It is a word that really does describe me to a large degree. I, for a long time, whenever anybody said you're an extrovert, I was like, duh. You know, I am, I am, I'm an extremely extroverted person. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't, I couldn't really negotiate the, the fact that I needed alone time desperately after large periods of extroversion, right? Mm-hmm. And then I found the word ambivert and it made all the sense in the world that I could be extroverted, but I needed to balance it out with some introversion. Sure. You know, and that, but, but like most, most ambidextrous people, especially those in say the field of sports, uh, like most ambidextrous people, they can turn it on or off. They can switch between the two. So I can be, mm, I don't, I don't always long to be introverted. And I don't always long to be extroverted, but but I'm ready for either. Mm-hmm. Uh, introversion is a lot easier because I'm not performing for anyone. You know, uh, if if anything, I'm actually I it's it's my opportunity to stop performing for myself. How would you describe yourself? Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Are you do you what's what's the largest group of people that you are willing to hang out with at any given moment? You know, you don't you don't produce shows anymore. You don't perform live very often performing poetry. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for that? Is there a is there what, what can you or at least not reason? That's not a really fair word. Is there what can you point to as your preferences in terms of how you spend your time? I've just asked you a lot. of Yeah. Questions. With the. Yeah. But, you, you know, like, yeah. from um, there, you can just start talking. <laughs> I don't want to talk to a large group of people unless I really, really, really have something to say. Yeah. And coming up with something to say is the bear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. and so I and so I feel like just in terms of like just as a writer, 
I have realized that that I am most myself when I spend most of my time writing mm-hmm. and not so much time performing. And just, it's not like I'm trying to not perform. It's not like I explicitly don't want to perform. It's more just that, that um, I feel most myself when I am generating the thing that I have to say. Uh, and I feel like, like one day that stuff will be there yeah and then people can can read it yeah you know um and i don't you know think of myself as an introvert or an extrovert but i'm definitely the kind of person where i don't need to hang out with a bunch of people i don't know Mm -hmm. you know i like meeting new people Mm -hmm. but but let's let's me you and two of our close friends invite someone new Mm -hmm. to coffee Mm-hmm. And we'll meet that way mm-hmm. and meet and really be able to like sit down and hang out and yeah. do like what we're doing right now and have a conversation. Absolutely. I love conversations. And so when the group gets too big to have a conversation, mm-hmm. I'm not as interested anymore. Sure. I can still have fun if it's a kitchen session and mm-hmm. there's a hundred people packed into a kitchen playing electric guitar. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can be down with that. Um, but, but, but I love I, I love conversations and I love small groups. And I think um, one thing I've noticed is that the larger the group, the more performative people become. Mm-hmm. The, the larger the group, the more each person in the group has an audience mm-hmm. surrounding them. Yeah. When it's just one-on-one, yeah. I'm only performing in front of one person, right? And so... I feel like most people are much more themselves when they're only with a one or two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but like the, but when think about think about the difference between hanging out with someone you know, pick someone you know, and think about the difference between hanging out with just them or them and one other friend, and hanging out with them and five other people, mm-hmm. eight other people. 20 other people mm-hmm. 50 other people they behave very differently very different. most people behave yeah. very differently because we're performing mm-hmm. and that's part of my beef beef with social media mm-hmm. where it's like even when you think you're having a conversation with just one person you're not it's so funny you're, you're you're you are performing in front of that conversation that you're having with that person is public. Is, is is happening on a stage in front of ten thousand people, and so of course it changes what you say. Yeah. And so what? And so you're not speaking when it's just me and you. I'm trying to share something with you. I'm trying to change your mind or you know influence you. You're trying to educate me. Mm-hmm. You care about what I think. Mm-hmm. But when the, but when we're on a stage in front of ten thousand people, it's really easy to start caring more about what those 10,000 people think of you. Yeah. And fuck the other person that you're talking to. Yeah. You're not really trying to help them. You're not really trying to, to edify them or Mm -hmm. help them see something new or open to them teaching you something new. You're, you're showing these other 10,000 people why you're so righteous and cool and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just left Facebook last week. I, I set my, or maybe maybe a week, two weeks ago. Good for you. I set my Facebook to delete. 
Good. Uh, and uh, so November 5th, I will be free. Now, I did keep... Uh, I, I do have a fake account where... <laughs> Uh, I have a fake account so that I can run my Mighty Mike Mickey Presents page just so that I can promote events and things like this podcast. And what led you to that, to delete? Because I deleted my Facebook like almost four years ago. Yeah. What what brought you to that? Uh, I, I felt like everything I was saying and doing was performative. Yeah. I felt like everything, you know, it's, it's everything you were just saying. Like, like I was... Um, uh, I was policing my own thoughts and words. Yeah. The things I wanted to write and post, uh, I thought it finally hit me. I was like, I don't really care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks here. So why even be here? I don't care what anyone thinks here. This yeah. this faceless blob of of so-called friends. Whereas like caring what people thinks, caring about what people think is great. Performing is great yeah. but if we're if i'm gonna but if i'm gonna perform i want to see your eyes yeah you, i yeah, i, I want to yeah. hear i want to hear when you open your 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 beer bottle in the audience i want to i want to like i want to see you if you're going to check your phone during the performance i want i want to see you check your phone mm-hmm. i want to have a connection and i want to know i want all those non-verbal cues so much of what we have to say aren't in the words that we would type mm-hmm. out they're mm-hmm. in our bodies they're I, in our yes, faces absolutely. and that's what connecting with the other human beings is all about I've, you know? I've i've and i've always said this too that who you what's happening on stage you might be alone up on stage on a microphone uh and there might be a crowd of people watching you you are having a conversation you're having a conversation with the whole room. Absolutely. It's just, you just might not, they might not be responding with words, but mm-hmm. they are responding. And that is a conversation, you know? Uh, and, and most of the time when you leave, if, when you leave a performance, whether you were in the audience or whether you were on stage, it almost doesn't matter. Because as you know, as a performer, you get to watch a, a performance of, it's almost a play. It's almost a very strange abstract play of this group of people sitting and staring in the same direction, you know, but each one of them doing it in a different way. I always thought it would be great to to do a show where there's a camera on the audience and there's a screen behind the performer showing the audience what they look like from the stage. Uh That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I... I, a large part of this, the concept of this this show, this episodic adventure into my friendships and relationships, is in large part was uh, when you left Facebook, and I realized like I need, I want to explore that kind of uh, um, adventure because what it does is it it one it cuts off a lot of people who aren't going to make another effort to stay in touch with you, right? Yeah. So you you cut off a number of folks who will likely never reach out again and not out of malice not no. because i don't care not be but it's just you can only keep track of so many people why are we trying to keep track of fifty thousand people give me a break right i agree and so and so for me i realized that i will spread myself very very thin to engage with everybody when you have 3500 friends on facebook friends and it's that it's that it's that commodification of the word friends mm-hmm. that really started to get to me. Yeah, you know, and that 
I am not friends with most of those people. Yeah. And to friend them is in is a is a is a, a verb that I don't enjoy, that I don't like using to friend someone. You it know? becomes about possession. Right. This is this is I'm collecting tokens. Yeah, it's it's you the, know, the that Pokemon I can show of people. other people. Yeah. And and it, as a way to elevate my social status. And, and that's just like you know in in any friend group look status is a part of human interaction it is there in every human interaction your your work your family your friend group your artistic community status is there and it's present and it's something that we all try to achieve mm -hmm. in one way or another absolutely whether it's the car you drive or whether it's how many people you know or how many people come to your show or whether you got the promotion mm -hmm. status is always is always there and always and always present. Mm -hmm. But I think that the difference is that is that social media in so many ways flattens genuine friendship with the accumulation of social status. Absolutely. And makes them one in the same. Yeah. And they're they're both real. They both mm -hmm. exist. They're both part of being human. But let's keep them separate. Yeah. Or the, to the extent that we can, like sure, there's one bleeds into the other but they're not literally the same thing mm -hmm. and it's not healthy i don't think to to think of your friends as almost nothing more than just an accumulation of tokens that you can show to others in order to gain status i just got to the point where i was like i i got so tired of going on to most of my social media and wondering like, well, how come, how come no one liked this? Why wasn't this liked? I thought I did a good job of writing this thing and no one liked it. Or how about this post? You know, like, oh, only, only 40 people liked this. That's weird. You know, it's like, wait, why do I care? What do I, why do I care? Whereas, and I, I definitely have experienced this from, from in a different way, but let from the stage mm -hmm. right um you you have those nights where you read a poem and then the audience doesn't react that yeah that you know with the grand you know applause or the standing ovation or whatever you the poem drops and there isn't a ton of reaction there's kind of a similar feeling mm -hmm. of like oh why didn't people like that mm -hmm. but the difference is is that is that when you when you're when you are literally performing on stage and you know you're performing and you're not you're not pretending like you're not performing mm -hmm. and and the thing that you have to say hits the air and people don't applaud right away again you can see their faces yeah you can hear the, all the noises that aren't applause mm -hmm. sometimes they're not applauding because what you said made them think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the yeah. silence is freaking better than the applause. Yeah. Because the silence is people going, oh, oh. damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And to me, that's the that's the better reaction. I agree. You know, yeah. like, like if you really drop some, if you are able to somehow sort through your own, your own confusion in order to really drop some knowledge on a room of people and if you really do that, they're not going to know immediately whether or not they like it. Right. They're going to be like, 
what was that yeah you know and that's that's beautiful it's really right? it truly is and and so and so in that in that context encountering silence encountering something other than a million people instantly liking saying that they showing you that they like you it becomes not about your validation mm -hmm. it becomes about them and about their experience mm -hmm. and and it doesn't reflect on you like oh i did a bad job oh people don't like me mm -hmm. but it's like freaking social media they want they want you to feel like people don't like you because now you'll try harder to get them to like you mm. and fuck all that it's 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 wild and and i, I yeah I, I realized i finally realized i was like you know what i'm easy to find i'm very easy to find if if you are upset that i've left facebook if you are upset that i've left social media of any sort uh then um then pick up a phone it is Call 2021 me. There yeah. is no shortage of ways right. to be, uh, for people to find each other. My email address is public, mightymikemcgee at gmail.com. You can't find me on Facebook, send me an email. You, know? you can connect with anyone you want. It'll yeah. be okay. It'll be okay. Um, so, in terms, of, in terms of friendship, where, where do you think you... That's not, that's not the question I want to ask. Let me pause. How often do you go and hang out with your friends? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Most of my human interaction now that I'm, you know, have taken a step back um, from, from social media, it happens in person. Mm -hmm. If I want to talk to you, let's actually talk. Let's go. Let's drink too much coffee. Gladly. <laughs> somewhere and and actually interact. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. It it's really is. It's great and I love it and I'm so much happier. Yeah. And I think I'm a better friend. Yeah. I'm a better friend because I give my friends my undivided attention. Mm -hmm. I they they have less they interact with me less often, but they have more of my attention. Mhm. Mm how has marriage changed your outlook on life? You know, is it is it something you always knew you would do? Is it something you had never really considered until you met Jen? It is not something I always knew that I would do. And I think it's I think it's probably true for both Jen and I where we're not the kind of people who we wanted to get married and we always knew we'd get married and we, you know, like and it was just a matter of finding the right person. I think both of us, well, I'll speak for myself. I was just like, hey, if I find the right person, great. If I don't, hell no, mm -hmm. you know, um, and 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 I did. And it's been it's been really beautiful. How has it changed me? I or think it's made me more patient. I think it's made me more patient. Mm -hmm. I think it's made me pay more attention to how my behavior affects other people around me mm -hmm. and be I've always been very self-critical to a fault mm -hmm. to a fault and and I've but I've learned how to be be self-aware without being self-conscious mm. that's a good point yeah uh, what's it like waking up every day to the same person what's it like 
eating me- most of your meals with the same person. It's very comfortable. Yeah. It's very comfortable where I, um, I'm, I recently went on a trip by myself just mm-hmm. to, just to fully unplug from everything and just to have like almost kind of like a sensory deprivation experience yeah. <laughs> in total solitude, you know, went out to the woods and, um, and, and it was great. I think everyone should experience that for their mental health. However, it was hard. Like it was hard to fall asleep. Yeah. Like it's hard to fall asleep alone. Yeah. You know, it, it, it comforts you, you know, to be around someone, um, who's, who loves you and who's honest with you. And again, you know, like no subterfuge and, Mm -hmm. and, Probably the best thing about it is having someone in your life that you can be completely honest with all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not that necessarily that you literally tell them everything. I think if we're being honest, I think you recognize that like you can't tell everyone everything or certain people. No one gets to know everything about you. Maybe like not even yourself, (laughs) you know, um, that's why therapy has a place, I think, you know, but, um, I can damn near tell Jen anything. Yeah. Uh, and what a relief that is. What a relief that is to, to, to have someone in your life where there's, there's no veneer. Yeah. Um, and you're you become more practiced at the art of being yourself you know i i gotta say and i'm you know i'm i'm very partial to uh the two of you uh and so there's a lot of bias here but i will say that when i think of when i think of relationships if i were if i could just model if i could pick someone in the world pick a woman uh in the world that I am just very deeply connected to and spend my life with them. I, it would, I would, and I could model it after somebody. It would definitely be you and Jen. I think that oh. you, it would, I would, uh, if I could, if I could say like, um, okay, I'm going to adjust both of our DNA so that we can be, you know, so that we can, we can have something akin to what Dave and Jen have, you know, it would, it would be that. And, and I think that's a, your relationship is a testament to, just true love mm. you know true love and understanding yeah you know sure uh, true love understanding and compassion you know uh you're there for each other you know like uh, uh <laughs> you know i wrote the line um i know that when the mountain gets too tough you will carry my pack and i will carry yours you know it's good that was in your ceremony mm-hmm. right and i wrote that because i imagined the two of you like you saying no, here jen give me that i'll carry it you know mm-hmm. And because uh, I know you've probably done it. I didn't have to be there to know it, you know? Yeah. And it's like you do things like that in a th- it. It's almost never the grand gesture, the literally carrying the pack. It's it's more like it happens in a thousand tiny ways yeah. all the time, all the time, every day. Yeah. You know, um, I will say this thing, this la- two, last two things I want to say. Uh, one, um, the biggest change I've noticed in you in the last couple of years is um, uh, 
okay so I'll, I'll 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 say i'll start with by saying um okay get it out mike um i've watched you walk into many many rooms where a cat existed ah. and <laughs> and and noticed you and tried to befriend you and you really had no interest <laughs> whatsoever in said cat you sort of like tolerated it at best you tolerated the cat now i've noticed that you walk into a room if you walk into a room and there's a cat there it's generally the first creature you'll approach i push the humans <laughs> i push them yeah out of the way that is also a form of relationships that I think should be talked about a bit, you know, is, is I think we can all appreciate wildlife to some degree, but, but, but house life, pet life, uh-huh. you now have a cat. I love having a cat. <laughs> I love my cat. <laughs> no, it was, I, I, I do like it's, um, uh, I, I've always liked animals and I, and I really have always liked cats, but it's more, but it was just like, I'm not. I don't get all cutesy and goo goo gaga with cats or babies or anything. You know, it's just not my way. I kind of I like I I, I like them, but I kind of like also just like want to like respect them and like let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the day that we got Olive, my cat, um, we I was excited. I was mm-hmm. I was down. Jen really wanted a cat, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, let's get a cat. Sure, why not? And then we did, and we brought her home. And she was in the house for 20 minutes and she was playing in the corner and I was sitting right there watching her and I was like, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. All of a sudden, oh, I, I love you. <laughs> I like, I love you. Yeah. I would die for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's just so, uh, so real. Yeah. So great. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and I, I can't explain it. I have a cat, Zena, who I will probably talk about in every single episode of this show, uh, who I adore. And that first year I had her, she was sort of dumped into my lap. And that first year I had her, I didn't get along with her at all. She didn't get along with me. We were not made for each other. But now it took us a year, but we finally understood each other. We finally we finally got so used to each other that it was like, well, now I can't imagine you not in my life. You know, relationships is a cliche. It is true. Relationships take work. Yes. And I think you're not, quote unquote, made for fucking anybody or anything. You know, like the whole idea of like, I don't really believe in like the the soulmate thing. Right. Or anything like that. You know, it's like it's we especially as we get older, we become more particular. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, for better or for worse, it just kind of happens. And it can be a good thing, right? You can you become more discerning. Again, more practice at the art of being who you are. Yeah. And um and that's that's good, right? You should mm-hmm. do that. But it the more you do that, the more specific, let's just say, your preferences become. Yeah. And it becomes harder and harder for anyone or anything to fit into that. Mm-hmm. And so in order for the right cat or the right other person to come to to come along and really fit into your life you have to work to fit into theirs mm-hmm. right you have to love them mm-hmm. you have to to want that enough so that you're like you know what i will change this mm-hmm. 
not for you necessarily, mm-hmm. but for us, mm-hmm. for the sake of this yeah. relationship, right. you know, um, and, and you, and you change and you grow. And like I was saying earlier, you become more aware of mm-hmm. how your behavior affects others. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it sounds silly, but like the same is true for the cat. Yeah. The same is true for the cat. Like, oh, you need this. You need the bowl here, not there. Um, but this other thing that I was piece of furniture is there. Okay, we'll move the piece of furniture for you. You know, oh, yeah. well, you need to be able to cu- go outside. So I have to keep this door on open or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like you, 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 you adjust your, you let go. You mm-hmm. let go of your probably what most of the time are little bullshit preferences that you're clinging to Mm -hmm. and it sort of teaches you that a lot of a lot of your preferences they don't need to be clung to Mm -hmm. you're gonna be okay you can change that yeah you know and i think that makes you better at who you are you know i think so too uh and now it's time for the novelty portion of this show um which i think is also one of the more important parts of this is um uh, I need two two names from you of people who you are pretty sure I don't know or don't know very well uh, who I should interview next. Okay, I got it on lock. Okay. All right. And uh, why? And why you think I should? Okay. The two people are the artist Elba Raquel. Okay. Who I know that you've met. Yes. Um, but I think that a longer conversation I think would really I, be rewarding. I, yeah. I don't think she and I have ever had more than a 10 minute conversation. Great artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person is the writer who I also know that you've met and even hung out with, mm-hmm. but I think a long conversation with this person would be very rewarding. Emer Martin. Oh yeah. So who again, I've only met mm, maybe twice in person. Emer Martin, Elba Raquel. Okay. And, uh, why, um, Emer is a great talker. Mm-hmm. She is a great conversationalist awesome yeah. and she is able to just tell stories and she's, she's got her ideas kind of on lock mm-hmm. and she has a great sort of great personality and like very, very sort of uh, a live wire of energy mm-hmm. and, and just, and really intelligent and mm-hmm. a lot of great things to say. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when it comes to Elba, Elba is a fantastic artist. Uh, yeah. Like she creates work that really blows me away. I actually share a studio with, with her and a number of other visual artists. I'm the only non-visual artist in the studio and um, all of their work is great. Um, but I've, I've known Elba even before then because we both have taught at like school of arts and culture and whatnot together. Yeah. And she was always, she's very intense. She has a way of like, of like looking at you where she's like looking into your soul. She's very perceptive, which I think is like a quality of a great artist. You know, um, she's very perceptive. She's very, she seems to look at things very intently and very carefully. And so I just think that she has a really interesting view of the world. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so those are, those are my people. I think that That's those exciting. will be great conversations. Yeah. Uh, and that, those are easy too, because I do, I, I do have access to them so I can reach out to them. And we, when we discuss, you and I discussed the, 
unlikelihood that you would introduce me to two names that I might not know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because of our, our deep, long history. So thank you, David. I Absolutely. really thank appreciate you. this conversation very, very much. And uh, I look forward to more with you. Many, many more until we're dead. Until we're dead. Until we're dead. <laughs> Big thanks to my friend Ben Henderson for the music. New episodes of Over Social will be available to my Patreon subscribers on Thursdays and on Mondays everywhere else. Follow me on Instagram at MightyMikeMcGee and at MightyMikeMcGee.com. My name is Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Benjamin, kid. Benjamin. Benjamin.